If it's two boys that are have to come up and role play in front of the class, imagine that. You're, what, 15, 16 years old, and you're coming up in front of the class and you're gonna ask another boy for these kind of favors, right? Are you kidding me? You know, are we trying to beat every ounce of masculinity out of every male? Well, hey everybody, welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. A show where we are sharing our journey of what the Lord has called us to in this season of life. We're currently working on a new documentary film titled The Mind Polluters, and it's all about the sexualization of our children through the education system. And joining me as usual is my husband and filmmaker, author, speaker, director, Mark Archer. Sitting here at my desk again. Again. Talking with you, here my we love. Are. It's almost Easter. It is. I'm excited. It's only Friday. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's only Friday. <laughs> Sunday's Sunday coming. Sunday's coming. Oh, I love that. Love that one. Anyway, so what are we talking about today? We're going to finish up with Maris. It's part two with Maris Bentley. <laughs> this is the reason why we bring you guys this information. The only way things are going to get better is when everyone is informed as mm-hmm. to what's really going on. And Maris is a prime example who she had no idea. You know, once we once people leave the school systems, I mean, think about and I've said this before on a, on a previous podcast, you know, we a lot of times we don't we don't always see the full tenure of a superintendent for mm-hmm. example, or teachers who are there, you know, we have these teachers and we get to know them just briefly and continue to move on with our children. But people remain in positions of authority and make decisions on behalf of a school system and the individuals who go to that school. And a lot of times it's those really awful teachers that you have to deal with <laughs> who end up staying and moving up into higher positions of authority. Yeah. So so it's just interesting talking to Maris because, you know, she obviously now now a grandmother of 11. I think so. She said and started doing her own homework and research. Like, what are the kids being taught? Because admittedly, I'll just say I was completely ignorant as to what was even being taught in Mm -hmm. the school systems. I went through public school. I do not recall. I remember sex ed. It was nothing like what we see today. No, it wasn't. And and I was the same. I've thought about that many times. I remember, I remember, you know, the sex ed class it was i think it was like 7th or 8th grade mm-hmm. and you know half of it was personal hygiene yeah <laughs> <laughs> which at that age is important mm-hmm. right it's no longer puberty it's pornography right you know and that's that's where it has all shifted and to see this stuff and that's why it it's so important and we keep and i feel like we're harping on this but listen this is just a season of life the lord has us in mm-hmm. we will continue to bring all of the information to you guys our listeners and people who are going to watch the mind polluters this stuff is all available for you we all have to do our own homework we can't keep letting other people control what our children are learning we have to get engaged and we were talking on the last episode about my favorite film series, I think, of all time is Dr. Francis Schaeffer's How Should We Then Live? And mm-hmm. if you haven't gone and started watching that yet, I encourage you to do it. It's on Amazon Prime. I think you can check it out from the library. It's, I mean, I know our local library has it. Does it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have it on VHS. I have it on <laughs> DVD. 
and it is now streaming on Amazon Prime. It, it's a 10 part, it's five hours. It's mm-hmm. 10 30 minute episodes. They made it for television. Mm-hmm. And it was Francis Schaefer and his son, Frankie. And uh, they made this for television. And um, it is profound. But one of the things that he talks about that we've talked about is the reflection of culture through the arts. And in the first episode, he's talking about the Roman society. And he's got, I remember the example of the two coins. Yes. And he's got an example of a coin from... Uh, from one later era in the Roman Empire and then one from about two, three hundred years earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's such a marked difference between the quality of them. Right. And he talks about the apathy of the intellectuals and the apathy of the art culture. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that in our culture and I thought, oh, my word, you know where it's most evident right now? media. Mm-hmm. Where is it the most, it's particularly journalism. Yeah. The apathy there, because they don't, they don't even want to try. One of the lessons I learned a long time ago about, about dealing with media was because I spent early in my career, um, I was always trying to get the television news station or the newspaper to come out and do a story on what we were doing, you know, on a film. (laughs) And so I learned the tricks to this. I read a lot of books on how to write good press releases. And that was the key, how to write a good press release. And especially knowing the timing of when you send it to them and you learn the lazy factor. And listen, I am going to pick on media people because I know how they think you learn the lazy factor of the writers and the TV news uh, personalities. You have to make it as easy as possible for them because they're going to show up and say, okay, what is it that we're doing the story on? Okay. Copy, paste. Copy, copy, paste. And that's how it was back in the eighties and nineties and before. And it's even worse now because they don't even show up. They just, they just cut copy paste from somebody else's post and then repost it. And so, we would actually basically write the story for them. Like you, that's what you put in the press release. Mm-hmm. Here's what you, we want you to talk about. And here's the opportunity we're going to give <laughs> you to come out and get a picture or video supporting this narrative. We're the ones writing the narrative. Yeah. We want you to talk about this. And when you understand kind of what motivates them, Oh, you're making a movie. So you come on out and they get the picture that they want and then they leave. And you have now directed the narrative of the newspaper. And that's how it works. You see it in, in the media. I mean, look, right. at, look at the narrative that we have today. And, and Maris is going to go in and talk about this, about mm-hmm. the, the homosexuality and, and the transgender, mm-hmm. the whole LGBTQ community. I mean, I think she said 2%, but actually, I think the last time that I just looked recently, it was it's growing. It's now at like 5% well, of people identify. Is it really? But I, yeah, I don't know. Because there are the, narr- have, the narrative have, is that we're that, that they're growing, right? Yeah. Is it really? I don't know. And Question that's everything. And what I love about somebody like Maris is that she is a, a great example of the power of the people to dispute the narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with yeah. with our films. Yeah. We dispute the narrative by doing our own research. And people say this all the time. Well, go do your own research. Do we know how to research? 
when she talks about it, you just can't take what somebody gives you at face value anymore. Yeah. You actually have to look at who's authoring these things. Question everything. Wh- yeah. Where where are they getting their information? Mm-hmm. So we, we love bringing you guys these these conversations that we are having with people all over the country. Literally, mm-hmm. it has been amazing to see and, and what a journey the Lord has us on right now, crisscrossing the nation. And just thank you for your prayers, your support. Thank you for being here. So now without any further ado, here's part two with Maris Bentley. What I did with my own daughter, I have a daughter that lives in Florida and she has, she and her husband have four children and they actually are homeschooling now, but they were sending their children to the public school in Florida. And I would be talking to them and kind of sharing some of this information. And finally, I asked her, would you be okay if I write out a list of questions Um, and things that you need to bring up with your child's teacher and administrator. And so she conferred with her husband and they said, yes, that would be fine. And um, so I did that and it ended up being, gosh, it's either a full page or it might be two pages long where, you know, where they go in and they talk to the teacher about what books are being read to the children, what books are in the library. What will, does their school have a policy about, if a child shows up that last year was a boy and now this year's proclaiming that they're a girl and here's their new name and all this, do they have a policy about how they're gonna handle that? And if they don't, how will they handle that? And if they do, please let me see that policy because I wanna know. Because we hear all these stories of this, these things happening and parents are blindsided and here their child comes home from school so confused and, and scared, frankly, about wondering, am I all of a sudden going to change, you know, I'm a girl now, am I going to be a boy tomorrow? You know, because it's so confusing to children. And so, um, and harmful, and harmful, what it does to their self-identity, right? And um, so that needs to happen. Every parent and grandparent out there that uh, loves their children and grandchildren and has even one iota of... uh, belief that this stuff might be going on, and frankly it is, you know, if it's going on in Nebraska, it's going on everywhere. Um, that this, and, and they're concerned about what's going to happen in the school system and what's going to happen with their child or grandchild, they need to be proactive. You don't wait until it happens and then have to react to it. So go in and be talking to them. Go in and ask these questions. Go to school board meetings when you see that there's a change in the curriculum. Uh, Don't be put off by the fact that um, they're going to label it something else. They make it sound really good, like family life classes, or it's a parenting class, right? Even a parenting class, you better be wondering what they're teaching there. Um, Or human growth and development, which is what the school district in Omaha calls it. So if the school board is talking about, go and show up at those meetings and ask questions and find out more. I've honestly also come to believe that most of our school systems don't even understand all the content of it. They really don't. Because when this school board in Omaha that we were trying to you know, talk to and, and ask questions and why this and here's, they, do you think they went through that curriculum page by page like I did? And I, I spent hundreds of hours going through the FLASH curriculum and then the three R's, uh, rights, respect, responsibility from Advocates for Youth. Um, and other, there's been others that I've looked at too. Those are the two main ones that come to mind right now. But 
These school boards, they do not know the content. They just don't. They don't know the content of every class, uh, the curriculum of every class that's being taught throughout the district, K through 12. The administrators don't know either. So what's happening is you have these advocacy groups like the Human Rights Campaign. In Omaha, it's called the Omaha Women's Fund. And they're, they're very leftist-leaning, pro-LGBT groups coming in and, and a lot of times they have a lot of money to give to the school district too. And money talks, right? And school districts are always wanting more money and thinking they need more money. And so um, they are following the so-called experts, right? Well, these people, and they're telling us it's science-based and it's age-appropriate and all the, you know, all the right words. And, um, and they are the ones pushing these agendas. When I was studying the FLASH curriculum, I just kept coming and looking at this list of authors and thinking, who are these people? Why would they think this is okay? And you know what I discovered? And I had some members of our group that was um, doing all this work say, wow, that is powerful information, what I had discovered. Because it's easy to find people online anymore. If they have a Facebook page, right? Um, if they've been in the news at all, the majority of them that I could find information on, and it was probably 80% were people who self-identified as LGBT. They were the authors of that curriculum. Now that should tell you something. Why then is it any wonder why they wanna talk to children about oral, anal, and vaginal sex, right? Because they're people who self-identify by their sexual behavior, which is unnatural and unhealthy, and they wanna promote it to everyone, including our children. And so that's what I would say to parents and grandparents. Look at the content. Ask to see the actual content, not the overview, not, not the, um, you know, where the goals of the, the curricular materials are, that by such and such the student will learn this, because that, that can look very good even. You have to look at the actual content, the page by page, notes to the teacher, which in some cases are so horrendous, I still can't believe what teachers were instructed to do and say in some of these materials. Um, you have to look at that, or you really will not know what is being taught. Okay, so tell me about the curriculum and the role-playing that you found. Okay. So uh, one, I, I encountered it throughout, in other words, I've encountered it through multiple materials. And so one example that, I could, that was horrifying and it's ingrained in my brain is that, um, and this is at the high school level, at the 10th grade level, they have a different scenarios already printed out for um, the young people. There's five of them. I recently just looked at this again. There's five scenarios and what they have the students do, so the students are given instruction, they're gonna be given one of these scenarios and they, in their team of two people, they have to kind of plan it out, strategize, and then because they're going to come forward in front of the rest of the class and do a role play. Well, the scenarios involve um, sexual behavior, sexual asking each other basically for sexual favors, right? One's really interested in the other one, and you know they they kind of headed that direction, and and how are they going to handle this, right? And and so the kids are going to work on these role plays and then come forward. Of the five, and this is the curriculum from Advocates for Youth called, uh, the three R's anyway, rights, respect, responsibility. I think that's how it's, uh, the order of it. Um, out of these five scenarios, three of them 
involve LGBT. Three out of five. So think about that. When you, what are the statistics now? 2% of the population uh, self-identify as LGBT, and yet three out of the five scenarios that are, the young people are gonna come forward and role play. Um, so then here they come up, and, and so they've kind of devised this role play on their own, but they have like, um, and one was a transgender confusion thing there, so it's really two girls actually instead of two boys, right? And the main components that show that this was a successful role play is that they get consent, they're both consenting to it, right? So there's no rape or forced sexual activity here, and they use protection. So that's a successful role play. And in one of, I think it again was the three R's curriculum, because sometimes these teams are randomly drawn. They just, you know, here's the scenario you're gonna get by just drawing a number out. If it's two boys that are, have to come up and role play in front of the class, imagine that, you're what, 15, 16 years old, and you're coming up in front of the class and you're gonna ask another boy for these kind of favors, right? Are you kidding me? You know, are we trying to beat every ounce of masculinity out of every male in our school systems or what? And if, they, and if they balk at it, if they hesitate, the teacher's instructions are to basically to shame them, to stop the class and say, okay, to the rest of the class, what's going on here? And they're, oh, well, they, they're not being uh, sensitive, you know, about LGBT people. They are, they're probably uh, bigots and homophobes. I mean, honestly, that's how the teacher is instructed to lead the class if those two boys don't want to come forward and role play asking each other for sexual favors. They're shamed into doing it because now they're going to, you know, well, you know, and, and using the rest of the class to do that. It, it's horrible. And that's just one example. Throughout this material, you see this over and over. Role playing, asking each other in front of the rest of the class to to uh, have se engage in sexual activities with each other. I was listening to this and I thought back to being that age, you know, especially like junior high or even, even in high school, how uncomfortable it was to begin with having any kind of conversations where you're, uh, you know, you, you're being forced into a group setting mm -hmm. or yeah. being forced to partner with somebody, especially of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. I, uh, and now of the same sex, yeah. which we all know biologically there's male and female. That's it's, it. Folks. It's, that's it. Let's that. say it again. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot stress it enough. Yeah. But I just remember, uh, how uncomfortable I was. And even up until, you know, 17, 18 years old, being forced to do a uh, you know a group project with the girls right mm -hmm. for example you listen you're you're still in that formative phase i mean maybe you have a secret crush or you know they have a crush on you and there's that real uncomfortableness and now imagine taking that and guys you know think of your best buddy in school and you the two of you are forced to go in front of the whole class and role play being homosexuals. Oh, but then, and then to be hum humiliated and humiliated. Either if you way, won't. if you do or don't, I mean, 
you have there is a no way out and that's what i say over and over again our children have no safe places anymore and is it any wonder why suicides are up that would have driven me i was on the edge a, a few times in my teens anyway forcing somebody like me into that kind of situation and the relentless mocking that would ensue afterward would absolutely drive somebody to take their own life. Well, and you see why there's such a high suicide rate of kids who are transgender or, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's not natural. Instead of going and telling them the truth and helping them through whatever is is ailing them, they continue to let them live in the lie. Mm -hmm. Because of child abuse. I mean, you're you're you're. You're mentally abusing them. And I love what Maris said about, you know, are we, have we, are we trying to drive every last ounce of masculinity out of these boys? Mm. It is, it's, it's absolutely amazing to watch. And I read an article I was trying to find on the, on the Epoch Times, and they were talking about how our enemy, China, mocks us. They mock us as we have succumbed politically to this, not only the woke cancel culture, but uh, the demasculinization of our armed forces and of our men in general in our society. And they're doing exactly the opposite. Folks, this is how you bring down the greatest nation that has ever been. Mm -hmm. If porn doesn't do it. Then you start gender confusing all of the men and get them to to be the least masculine of all. The when you take young boys and convince them that one day they might wake up and be a girl, and then convince them that they need surgery so that they look like a girl, you've defeated them. You've defeated them. By the way, them. we'll have more on that topic. Yes, yes we will. Soon. Oh. Yes, we will. (laughs) We have some interesting information that we're going to share with you. Well, with that, you guys, thank you so much for sticking around to the end. And if you've missed any part of this conversation with Maris Bentley, you can go back and check all that out on the website, fearlessfeatures.org. It's also where you can make that one time or monthly donation to help this ministry, Fearless Features, and be a force multiplier for truth and action. Together, we can make a difference in our communities and stand strong for biblical truths and values. Your support will continue making an impact for generations when you partner with us. Thank you so much for your consideration and thank you for joining us today. As always, have a wonderfully blessed day. 